Welcome to the Cambridge Judge Business School Podcast Centre. Britain's accounting standards and the link to the financial crisis are currently being scrutinised by two influential committees amid allegations that the banks have adhered to dangerously flawed rules for more than five years. The Accounting Standards Board heard that these rules contributed to the collapse of banks in 2008. The House of Lords Economic Affairs Committee is looking into the role of audits in the banking crisis. The Judge Business School's Acting Director, Professor Jeff Meeks, and lecturer in finance, Dr Amir Amalzadeh, in their paper, Bank Failure, Mark to Market and the Financial Crisis, look specifically into claims that fair value accounting rules were a major factor in the financial meltdown. Fair value accounting is a concept used in accounting and economics defined as a logical and unbiased estimate of the potential market price of goods, services or assets. It's regarded as the best available method to analyse and report financial assets as it's based on market measures or estimates of them. Dr Amelzadeh, in your paper you look at the allegations around fair value accounting and particularly its impact on the actual or potential failure of banks. What did you find? The opponents of fair value accounting have brought forward several arguments against using fair values, so using market prices to value assets on bank balance sheets. Of these, the first argument is that fair value is exacerbating booms and busts because it encourages pro-cyclical bank um, lending. So banks are able to increase their leverage in good times because asset values increase on the balance sheet. But then they have to basically uh, draw back in lending because the asset values decrease and they have to reduce their leverage more excessively in bad times. Secondly, the argument is that fair value causes excessive write-downs on bank balance sheets because banks are necessary to write down assets um, to market prices which are already pressed in an falling market, which then um, puts more strains on bank balance sheets and ultimately might cause them to go bankrupt. And the third argument is that exactly this force that asset values in a declining market um, cause banks to write down assets and then push them to increase equity capital causes a vicious downward spiral because banks are then forced to sell these assets, which then depresses market prices more, which then causes other banks to have to write down similar assets to these market prices. So what do we actually find? To the first criticism that fair value accounting exacerbates booms and busts, we actually have a look at the bank balance sheets of 1,460 banks. And we don't find any evidence that there's a change in bank behavior and in leverage before fair value was introduced. So there's no evidence that fair value accounting actually introduced procyclical bank behavior. We find that procyclical bank behavior is part of banking. That's how banking works, that especially investment banks. For the second point, that mark-to-market accounting has forced banks to excessively write down assets and hence put them close to bankruptcy, we actually don't find that mark-to-market accounting or potential write-downs of mortgage-related assets has increased the bankruptcy risk of banks. And then the third point, that fair value accounting introduced a vicious circle, uh, which is downward spiral. We take one specific event, a big sale of of a mortgage-related portfolio of one bank, to see whether it affected asset prices 
or the perception of bankruptcy risk of other banks in case they have to write down similar assets to exactly the same fire sale prices. And there was no evidence for this. When the financial bubble began to burst, it, it was centred around bad lending in property, especially in what, what was a new phrase added to our vocabulary, which was American subprime lending. Now, British banks were also overcommitted in those American markets, weren't they? Along the line, our Northern Rock and, and their Lehman Brothers founded. There's an interesting fog around all of this. I mean, what, what part, if any, did uh, fair value pay? Yeah, that's, that's correct. It's very interesting that back... Um, then during the crisis, the failure of Lehman Brothers and to some extent Northern Rock was is attributed to, to Favillio quanting or to the requirement to mark assets to market. But we know today that what caused the collapse of, of Lehman and of Northern Rock was illiquidity. It wasn't a solvency issue, it was illiquidity. And in a way it was for Northern Rock a classical bank run. We have all seen the the queues outside the branches. But also for Lehman Brothers, it was a bank run, but on an institutional level. So essentially, for both banks, the interbank lending market on which they relied froze. But why did it freeze? Because there was uncertainty around asset values on these banks, on these banks' balance sheets. So the lenders um, required more collateral for money borrowed from these banks. And at, at some point, some of the collateral such as mortgage-related assets, in the case of Lehman Brothers, were not accepted as collateral at all. So Lehman Brothers said was required to raise liquidity to be able to, to continue. But then, if you think of that, it's actually the opacity of, of values on bank balance sheets which caused this decline of trust and this bank run, this freezing of the lending market. So that means that with fair value accounting, or if mark-to-market accounting would have been applied more consistently, it would have increased transparency on bank balance sheet, and it would have probably, in the case of Lehman Brothers, even even forced Lehman to act earlier. In the case of Northern Rock? In the case of Northern Rock, it was a mixture of bad bank management, bad risk management, because Northern Rock was over-reliant on short-term funding. And it was able to do so because of a very aggressive use of Basel II capital requirements. So Northern Rock was one of the first to apply the Basel II rules. And we know now that one of the major deficiencies in the regulatory framework came from the capital requirements, which are being now modified. Reading through your paper, uh, am I wrong in thinking that, that you were not totally convinced that the regulators had a real understanding or a grasp of what was going on, and possibly still don't? Uh, the European Commission was particularly, if I remember correctly, was particularly stretched at that time, saying that the approach to standard setting had been over-academic. I think the regulators have missed the point here, because what accounting or financial reporting, for that matter, um, is for is to be able to show at any point in time the financial position of a company, in this case, most particularly for banks. And the target audience are shareholders, are investors, and then other stakeholders such as regulators as well, for example, the Basel II regulators. So it's not to say that, that accounting doesn't have real economic implications, quite the contrary. But um, accounting values cannot be used unadjusted on an unadjusted basis for regulatory purposes. So hence, for transparency purposes, uh, fair value accounting is the best standard 
in accounting setting, but maybe for for regulatory purposes to, for example, compute um, regulatory capital for banks, these values have to be adjusted on exactly that purpose because the purpose of accounting is information useful to provide useful information for decision-making of investors. Your conclusion is that the debate over fair value accounting and mark-to-market valuation is redundant and that actually both should be disclosed and incorporated in the regulator's assessment. What would it take to make that happen, or is it already beginning to happen? It is actually um, beginning to happen as we speak, because in the U.S., the U.S. regulators are changing the accounting rules on fair value accounting towards um, actually forcing more assets to be marked to market or to be uh, measured at fair value, but also requiring the um, historical costs to be disclosed. So measurement on fair, based on fair values for many assets, but also disclosure of, of historical costs. In Europe, surprisingly, probably because of political pressure, because of the criticism of fair value accounting, the regulator decided that not as many assets have to be measured at fair value, but but still, fair value measurement is the the predominant um, accounting standard. But if, in the case that historical costs are, are allowed as measurement, that fair values are also disclosed. So we'll see the movement towards disclosing both measurement measurements, both valuations, uh, which is useful. But we see a divergence now between international accounting setting and U.S. accounting, which will cause... I think a lot of confusion for investors and for comparison of different balance sheets of different types of banks on both sides of the Atlantic. If it's going to cause greater confusion, that's not going to help the position, is it? That is definitely not going to help the position. And the ultimate goal is to converge to one counting rule, which is the international counting standard setting. But that needs a lot of um, discussion between the both both accounting sellers, and they'll have to find a way to overcome these, to compromise. Um, I personally agree with the U.S. approach that the assets should be measured at fair value because that is what ultimately affects um, income. So this is the first line investors will see. And then they should disclose also all sorts of other measures if they want historic cost or anything which they might think is useful, which then can also be uh, looked upon by regulators. And then, so the regulator can, can actually make a view, a holistic view of the position of the company. Dr. Amir Amelzadeh, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School. 